This is VOA News via remote. I'm Laurel Bowman. Brazilian football icon Pele has died at the age of 82. Pele was widely regarded as the greatest player of all time. He was the only footballer in history to have won three World Cups, and he scored more than 1,000 goals. His daughter wrote on Instagram, Everything we are is thanks to you. We love you infinitely. Rest in peace. The hospital treating Pele in Brazil said in a statement that his death after a long battle with cancer was caused by multiple organ failure. Reaction instantly began flowing in, with current Brazilian star Neymar saying Pele had transformed football into an art. Pele's reign extended beyond the pitch, with gigs as a movie star, singer, and later sports minister in the 1990s, one of the first black cabinet members in Brazil. The Vatican has announced that Pope Emeritus Benedict is described as lucid, conscious, and stable, but that his health condition remains serious. AP correspondent Karen Chamas reports. Pope Francis revealed that Benedict was very ill and had gone to see him at his home in the Vatican Gardens where he has lived since retiring in 2013. Benedict was the first pope to do so in 600 years. Amidst the bustle of St. Peter's Square, Vatican visitor Anna Malka wished him well. I think by now he has lived about long enough, poor thing. And since he's sick, he's not well. If God wishes, he will take him away. Vatican expert Massimo Franco says it is hard to tell the exact condition of the retired pontiff. When you are 95, of course you can die in each moment. I'm Karen Chamas. And Kosovo reopened its biggest border crossing with Serbia on Thursday, easing a surge in tensions that has alarmed world powers. This is VOA News. In world headlines today, Benjamin Netanyahu was sworn in as Israel's prime minister again on Thursday in a comeback for the political veteran. At least 19 people were killed after a huge fire tore through a casino hotel complex in a Cambodian town on the Thai border, officials said on Thursday. Russian President Vladimir Putin will speak with Chinese President Xi Jinping via video link on Friday to discuss bilateral and regional issues. That's according to the Kremlin. The U.S. State Department has approved the sale of an anti-tank mine-laying system to Taiwan as tensions rise with China. AP correspondent Karen Chamez reports. The State Department also confirmed the cost of the volcano system would be around $180 million. The equipment scatters anti-tank and anti-personnel mines from a ground vehicle, something the U.S. believes Taiwan needs to deter a Chinese invasion. The rising threat from China was displayed recently when it sent 71 planes and seven ships towards Taiwan in a 24-hour period. China sees the self-ruling island as part of its own territory, with its top leaders stating that the island has no choice but to accept eventual Chinese rule. I'm Karen Chamas. In the United States, applications for U.S. unemployment aid rose slightly last week. AP correspondent Jackie Quinn reports. Another 9,000 people applied for unemployment benefits last week, bringing the total to 225,000. The four-week average, which evens out some of the weekly swings, finds the number just about flat from the prior period at 221,000. Unemployment applications are viewed as a proxy for layoffs. 
These latest numbers from the Labor Department show the job market remains strong, despite the Federal Reserve's efforts to cool the economy and hiring. Jackie Quinn, Washington. And in the Big Apple, New York City, entertainers get ready for New Year's Eve, which is this Saturday. Media personality Ryan Seacrest is preparing for his 19th year as host of ABC TV's New Year's Eve coverage. The AP's Margie Zaraleta has more. Duran Duran, New Edition, and J-Hope of BTS are among the stars who will perform in New York's Times Square for ABC's New Year's Rockin' Eve. Brian Seacrest will host with YouTube personality Liza Koshy. Seacrest says he's predicting big crowds and something to go wrong. Live television is all about the unexpected. We all have unexpected moments unfold on live TV, and it's interesting. <laughs> we don't know what's coming a lot on our show. I'm Archie Zaraleta. And I'm Laurel Bemin for VOA News. Africa. Welcome to Daybreak Africa from the Voice of America. I'm Douglas Simpoga in Washington. Today is Friday, December 30th, and here are some of the stories we are covering. Brazilian soccer legend Pele, winner of the record three World Cups and standard bearer for the beautiful game, has died at age 82. Civilians, especially those most vulnerable, the women, the children, the elderly, the disabled, they have borne the brunt of this prolonged crisis in South Sudan, and peace is needed now. UN officials say an estimated 30,000 people in South Sudan's eastern Jongli state have been displaced after days of deadly violence involving two ethnic groups. If you establish a birth certificate within the limits, it is supposed to be free. But in some places, people will ask for money. So you have ignorance and some type of corruption. And officials in Cameroon issue thousands of birth certificates to children who missed out on an education because they lacked the document. Those stories and more coming up on Daybreak Africa. The Vatican reports that former Pope Benedict remains in grave but stable condition and unchanged from yesterday. The French news agency AFP says the Vatican did not give details but said that the health of the 95-year-old Benedict has worsened due to advanced age. A source told AFP that his condition began to deteriorate about three days ago. The source said his vital functions are failing, including his heart, but added that he has the necessary medical equipment at home to prevent immediate hospitalization. On Wednesday, Pope Francis called on Catholics around the world to pray for his predecessor. In 2013, Benedict became the first pope in 600 years to resign from the Catholic Church. The Vatican will hold a special mass for him on Friday at Rome's Basilica of St. John Lateran. UN officials say an estimated 30,000 people in South Sudan's eastern Jongli state have been displaced after days of deadly violence involving two ethnic groups. Sheila Pony reports from Juba, South Sudan. The United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, UN OCHA, 
says an estimated 30,000 people from South Sudan's Greater Pibor Administrative Area have fled their homes in the face of the recent inter-ethnic violence. The clashes involving members of the Murule and Nuer communities have left close to 60 people dead, according to officials. News reports say the trouble resulted from frequent conflict between youth from the Nuer and Murule communities. The UN says the violence has led to cattle raiding, destruction of properties and displacement of thousands of people. Some 5,000 internally displaced people or IDPs, including women and children, have arrived in Pibor town after fleeing the conflict-ridden areas of Gumrok and Likwangle in the greater Pibor administrative area. Sarah Bisolo Nyanti, the UN humanitarian coordinator for South Sudan, says the ongoing conflicts has resulted in the loss of lives and livelihoods. People have suffered enough. Civilians, especially those most vulnerable, the women, the children, the elderly, the disabled, they have borne the brunt of this prolonged crisis in South Sudan, and peace is needed now. Peter Nyang, a teacher, is one of the thousands of IDPs, along with his five children and wife. Nyang fled Gumrok when the attackers raided the village and torched his house. They have burned our, our houses to ashes. The whole of Gumrok town, they were burned to ashes. We separated, just, we just ran to different directions. Now that they are crossed the river, other side, we don't know how we're shooting. My relationship to me, I don't know where they are. My uncle, my grandmother, I don't know where they are. The spokesperson for the chief in Greater Pibor Administrative Area, John Gaka, said Thursday, the humanitarian needs for the displaced persons are immense, and fears arrive that there could be an outbreak of diseases. Hundreds and thousands of people displaced from Guruk and the Kongole. They are already in Pibor and Pibor Girls and Pibor Boys Primary School. There is no good water and no feeding. So we are asking uh, international organization who are supporting uh, human being on feeding to help people who are displaced from Gumruk and the Congolese. Bol Deng Bol, chairperson of the Jungle Civil Society, an executive director of Intrepid South Sudan, says there is an urgent need to end the violence. He explained that the prolonged clashes could take a huge toll. On the efforts to restore peace in South Sudan, there will be nothing constructive that will be done. Instead, we will be deconstructing the recent efforts of the peace agreement. According to the United Nations, a projected 9.4 million people will need humanitarian assistance and protection next year. An estimated 2.8 million people are expected to face physical violence, including rape and other forms of gender-based violence, and they will need protection. Sheila Pony for VOA News, Juba, South Sudan. Officials in Cameroon have for the first time issued thousands of birth certificates to children who missed out on an education because they lacked the document. 
Officials say most women in Cameroon give birth at home and many fail to register it, leaving their children without access to an education and other rights. Authorities acknowledge that about 3 million children lack the certificate. Moki Edwin Kinzika reports from Edom district near the capital Yaoundé. 14-year-old Ernestine Elimbi smiled and waved her best certificate Thursday at the Endom District Ceremonial Ground in Cameroon's Central Region. It was the first birth certificate she has ever received, and unlike many of her peers, Elimbi says she will reach her dream of having an education. I am very, very happy now because I want to go to school and become a doctor so I can be treating people. Elimbi says before today, she was denied registration to take an exam for senior secondary school because she didn't have a birth certificate. Her mother, 32-year-old Mata Elimbi, says she gave birth to her daughter at home and was unaware she had to register her at birth. Ernestine Elimbi is one of 5,000 Cameroonians, most of them children, who received birth certificates Wednesday and Thursday. And on mail, Rene Bekolo Esama says the number of unregistered births in his district is alarming. Nous avons au total à peu près délivré 5,000 actes de naissance. He says the first 1,000 birth certificates were given free of charge to babies less than nine months old. Esama says more than 4,000 birth certificates were issued free of charge to adults and 14 to 15-year-old children who missed out on education because they lacked the document. Esama says they are seeking funding to issue several thousand more certificates for people who need and want them but don't have the money. Birth certificates are free in Cameroon for babies less than three months old. Anyone older must pay an $8 fee. Marie-Therese Abena-Ondua is Cameroon's Minister of Women's Empowerment and the Family. If you establish a birth certificate within the limits, it is supposed to be free. But in some places, people will ask for money. So you have ignorance and some type of corruption. It is very sad because we know that it is the birth certificate that gives every child that is born the right to citizenship. Ondua says authorities will punish any birth registration officers caught demanding bribes but gave no details. The certificates issued this week are only a first step. The government says about 3 million children lack birth certificates, more than 2 million of them of school age. Authorities say many birth certificates were lost or destroyed in Cameroon's separatist conflict that has so far displaced 750,000 people, most of them women and children. Many more were lost in attacks by Boko Haram militants on the northern borders with Chad and Nigeria. Eddie Duncan is with Plan International Cameroon. He says they are helping to get birth certificates for children and are educating communities to make sure all births are registered. With the crisis in some regions, institutions are no longer operational at their full capacity. The number of unregistered babies within the IDPs and refugees communities is higher. People are more concerned about saving their lives by running from one place to another than registering their newborn babies. Authorities say without a birth certificate, 
young Cameroonians are at a higher risk of becoming criminals or being forced into early marriages. Moki Edwin Kinzaka for VOA News and Dom Cameroon. International and regional actors, including the United Nations, the Troika states, and the European Union, have called on South Sudan's leaders to intervene to stop fighting in Greater Pibo administrative area. The UN Office for Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs says at least 30,000 civilians have been displaced since the violence started six days ago. As Wake, Simon Wood reports from Juba, an official in Pibo says violence continues in Jimuru County. The United Nations mission in South Sudan, the South Sudan Troika, the Regional Intergovernmental Authority on Development, the European Union and Peace Monitoring Body, RGMEC, expressed a grave concern over the escalation of violence in a greater Pibor administrative area. UNIMES spokesperson Linda Tom says the partners urged the parties involved in the conflict to immediately cease hostilities, exercise restraint, and respect human rights. UNIMES and international partners strongly encourage national politicians and traditional leaders to persuade youth to immediately stop the violence and pursue a dialogue-based approach that focuses on restoring calm and peacefully resolving the root causes of the conflict. Tom also said the partners want those responsible for the violence to face justice. To stop the fighting and ensure the safety and security of civilians, as well as unimpeded humanitarian access to people affected by the fighting. They also emphasize the need to investigate and hold accountable all perpetrators of the conflict including those who are instigating and inciting violence and those responsible for abduction of women and children. People authorities blame the violence on a group called the White Army Empty Youth from neighboring Jongole State. They launched the first attacks on Saturday. The United Nations Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, or UNOCHA, says about 30,000 people have been displaced since then. UN OCHA says the violence includes cattle raiding, destruction of property, and a displacement of thousands of people. About 5,000 internally displaced people have arrived in Pibor town after fleeing the conflict areas of Gumuruk and Lekwangole. UN OCHA says the fighting in Pibor, coupled with the recent deadly violence in parts of Upper Nile State, has put a serious strain on humanitarian operations in South Sudan. South Sudan Army spokesperson Major General Lul Rai Kwong told South Sudan in focus that his office had no clear picture of the situation on ground. But he says the South Sudan People's Defense Force has recaptured its base. Uh, there's nothing much uh, apart from the fact that um, the SPD have regained control of Gumruk yesterday at 5 p.m. And this came as a result of uh, the youth, the wide army, uh, voluntarily withdrawing from Gumruk. But they could be fighting elsewhere. We do not have information on that. Kuang says the fighters from Jungle State attacked the army base during earlier classes. Abraham Kelang, the Information Minister of Greater Pibor Administrative Area, says violence continues in parts of the area. He is appealing for humanitarian assistance for those affected by the fighting. 
feel what because uh, I'm I'm used conflict is uh, is out in town, but uh, is still in uh, places, farms and villages in Gumro. Officials confirmed that at least 56 people have been killed from both sides. Jongole State Information Minister John Samuel Manuan on Tuesday condemned the violence. He told this program he was shocked to learn that empty youth from his state carried out the attacks. Sarah Besolonyanti, the UN Humanitarian Coordinator for South Sudan, says civilians, especially those most vulnerable, such as women, children, and elderly, have borne the brunt of this crisis. She says the humanitarian community calls on anti fighters to immediately cease hostilities and to protect civilians and humanitarian workers. UN Ocha says the violence adds more challenges to an already dire humanitarian situation in several parts of the country. It says in 2023, about 9.4 million people will need humanitarian assistance and protection. It estimates 2.8 million people will face physical violence, including gender-based violence, and will need protection. Protracted displacement has affected over 2.2 million people who are unable to return to their homes, according to UN OCHA. For VN News, Amwake Simon Wudu in Juba. You are listening to Daybreak Africa on the Voice of America. I'm Douglas Ipuga in Washington. Today is Friday, December 30th. Making New Year's resolutions is easy and appealing as a way to break with the past and make a fresh start. Following through on them month after month is the hard part. VOS Mariama Diallo reports. A new year is around the corner and many use this time to make New Year's resolutions. Why do people do that, you might ask? It's a new calendar year. We have a chance to leave behind all of the old stuff, good and bad, from the previous year and move forward and, and start to make new plans, new goals, and we may feel excited and recharged by that. That was Mandy Doria, a certified counselor at the University of Colorado, speaking with the Associated Press. That feeling of hope can dissipate amid day-to-day stressors, but there are ways to set goals without feeling like you're setting yourself up for failure, she told the AP. There's a concept called SMART goals. So SMART goals should be specific, they should be measurable, they should be attainable, and they should be reliable as well as time-based. So, for example, I might want to move my body more, and so I might start by going to the gym or going to yoga once a week. And then after three weeks, maybe I build on that. So I can make time-specific goals as well, and it's measurable and it's specific. Christine Whelan is a clinical professor at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and the author of Finding Your Purpose, an Audible original 10-lecture series. New Year's resolutions are a cultural phenomenon, and it's really tempting to want to do them, right? So 
the best advice is to take a step back and ask why. Why is it that you want to make a change? These are questions of purpose and values and meaning. So maybe you do want to go to the gym and lose a couple pounds, but why? And if you can get to that core reason for why, research finds that you are much more likely to actually follow through on your goals and make it happen. Whelan says there are other ways to start the new year by making it more of a reflective exercise rather than an intimidating to-do list. Rather than New Year's resolutions, one thing that I've loved to do over the years is write a letter to myself at New Year's the next year. And in that letter, what I do is I think about where I want to be, where I am right now, the things that are important to me, my values and purpose statement, my hopes and goals for the year ahead. Edward Heath is a professor at the Department of Psychological and Brain Sciences at Indiana University. In an interview with the AP, he says to be successful at sticking with the New Year's resolution, one must understand that pursuing a goal is a process. Because I think most of the time in many goal pursuit situations, we're really hard on ourselves if we don't get where we anticipate we should be. And if we can kind of break down the goal pursuit process into sub-stages or sub, you know, kind of goals along the way and can sort of see ourselves meeting those things and take pride in accomplishing those pieces of the larger process, it is much more reinforcing to us. He says people should also reflect on their progress to see how far they've come rather than only focusing on the end point. Maria Magiallo, VOA News, Washington. 46 soldiers from Ivory Coast will be tried by a court of appeal in Mali today. The military government in Bamako, who says they are mercenaries, arrested the troops in July as they arrived at the airport to back up a German contingent of UN peacekeepers. The French news agency AFP says the session will not be open to the public, but the International Committee of the Red Cross would attend as observers. The wire service notes the appearance of the troops in court comes in the run-up to January 1st deadline set by West African leaders for Mali to release them or face sanctions. An Ivorian delegation that flew to Mali for talks on the crisis last week said the issue is on the way to being resolved. It's now time for Daybreak Africa Sports, and here is Samson Mali in Abuja, Nigeria. A very good Friday morning to you, Samson. Good Friday morning to you too, Douglas. We begin the sports with the news that Brazilian football legend Pelé, arguably the greatest player ever, has died at the age of 82. He is credited with scoring a world record 1,281 goals in 1,363 appearances during a 21-year career, including 77 goals in 92 matches for his country. The only player to win the World Cup three times, lifting the trophy in 1958, 1962 and 1970. Pele was named FIFA's player of the century in 2000. He has been suffering with kidney and prostate problems in recent years. And back here on the African continent, the Confederation of African Football has released a full list of match officials for the African Nations Championship Chan. The list includes 19 referees, 21 assistant referees and 12 video assistant referees 
representing 32 of CAF's member associations. In keeping with its policy of promoting women's refereeing, CAF has also appointed three women match officials, referee Vicentia Amendone from Togo and assistant referees Atazambong Formo from Cameroon and Diane Chikotisha from Zambia. Initially scheduled for 2022, the Chan will now take place from the 13th of January to the 4th of February 2023 in Algeria. Four cities will be used, Algiers, Constantine, Oran and Anaba. Staying with the Chan competition, Morocco's national football team is now threatening to boycott the African Nations Championship next month in Algeria. In a letter written to the African Union, the Moroccan Football Federation said its team will only compete if there is a direct flight from the Moroccan capital of Rabat to the Algerian city of Constantine, where Morocco's games are scheduled to be played. Moroccan military and commercial aircraft have been barred from Algeria airspace since the two neighbors severed diplomatic ties last year. And now to cricket news where Temba Bavuma made a gritty half century, but South Africa were bowled out for 204 to lose the second test on day four against Australia at the Melbourne Cricket Ground on Thursday. Australia won by an earnings and 182 runs as it clinched the three match test series 2 0 with the New Year's test still remaining. Resuming after lunch on 120 to 4, wickets continue to fall at regular intervals as South Africa lost all six wickets before tea. The third and final test will take place on the 4th of January 2023 at the Sydney Cricket Ground. And that's it for the last edition of The Big Africa for 2022. I am Samson Omale in Abuja, Nigeria. It's back to you, Douglas in Washington and have a happy 2023. Thank you, Samson. Have a very good weekend. As we approach the end of the year 2022, VOA wants to give you, our little listeners, the opportunity to wish your loved ones a happy new year. Call us on our WhatsApp number 202-258-3076. Leave a brief message and listen for it right here on VOA. The number again, 202-258-3076. Let VO help you bring cheer and blessings to friends and family by just calling 202-258-3076. And that's it for this Friday, December 30th edition of Daybreak Africa. We thank you for joining us this morning. For more African news and features, visit our website at voafrica.com. I'm Douglas Mpuga in Washington, wishing you a very wonderful...